We're on the second to last of our Revelation letters today. This one is um, the favorite of mine just because of where it's written to. This is the letter to the church in Philadelphia. Uh, and we find the letter to the church in Philadelphia in Revelation chapter 3, uh, verses 7 through 13. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. And one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God a new Jerusalem which is coming out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. As I read this this week, I was just overcome by what a powerful person I am. I have so much control over my dog. Because when, I want the dog, when the dog wants to go outside, she can't do it unless I open the door for her. When the dog wants to come back in, she can't unless I open the door for her. When the dog wants to eat, there's nothing in her bowl unless I open the door of the cabinet where her food is. I have a lot of power <laughs> over my dog. But it's the power of doors. It's the power of whether a door is opened or closed. And God holds this power over all of us. I was speaking with a friend this week who's in a difficult time in life. This friend had ideas of, of what was next, the plans and purposes she set out to accomplish, and a door was closed. She's wondering, who am I now? I had an idea, I had a plan, a vocational change that I had to go through this door in order to accomplish and that door was closed. What is God doing? What is God saying to me? And I've shared with you before, and if you get Devin aside sometime and really talk to her, she'll share with you on much deeper levels how I felt when I sensed that God was calling me to a new church and I put my uh, personal information form, that's what we Presbyterians call it, out there, and I, I wasn't as desirable as I thought I was to all these churches. Well, not all. Yeah, all these churches. And we would, sometimes we'd talk and think things were going well, and, and then I wouldn't hear from them again. 
And I thought, I guess, I guess I'm really not called to something else. Maybe God doesn't want to use my gifts in the ways I thought he would. And then came Ridley Park Presbyterian Church, just in time. Well, actually, I thought it was a little late, but for you all, <laughs> it was just in time. And we had a phone call, and it was wonderful. It was so amazing. It was qualitatively different from any other phone call I'd had with any other church, any other discussion I'd had with any other church. And I felt like this was it. But I was ready. I was ready for that door to close again. Because you just don't know. But thank God that door opened. I don't know if you ever noticed, I've been looking at this um, picture on the front of our bulletins uh, because we're trying to make it more clear. But when I looked at it really closely, if you look at the doors, they're open. Thank God the doors of this church were open to me. And the, the doors of this church are open to you. And the doors of this church are open to any who will come. And it's our job to invite them in so that they can experience the love of God and the love of this congregation and the word of God revealed to them. Keep the doors open. And God says the same thing to the church in Philadelphia. In fact, when I was in college, I went to a church in Philadelphia, the 10th Presbyterian Church, and their motto, their slogan on the front of their bulletin was from this passage. I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. As a church in Philadelphia, they claim this as their own. But what this is talking about here is that God has placed before us an open door of ministry, just like he placed before me an open door of ministry to the Ridley Park Presbyterian Church. And when I think about my friend who's struggling with her sense of call and closed doors, I think, I didn't think about it at the time, but I have to, I have to continue that conversation and tell her. Just because a door is closed now doesn't mean it remains closed. And there are reasons that God has for opening doors when God opens those doors. It's sort of like, did you know that, you probably do, you know more than I do about this kind of thing, but in, in professional football helmets for two players on the field, there are speakers inside. The quarterback has one, and someone on the defense is allowed to have one. And sometimes you, you'll see uh, the quarterback ha having his finger in, the, in his ear hole, and you're like, that's sort of weird. But that's because he's listening to the speaker. And what he's listening for is direction from someone who is far above the field, looking at everything that's happening, and understands how things work, and is telling this person something they need to know to play the game well. It's like Devin's father, who is a, a football, a high school football coach at Conestoga, now goes to the Penn State games and picks seats that other people don't necessarily want because he wants to be way high up. Because he can there see how the plays are being executed, see why they might have called a particular play at a particular time. Because that's what's most interesting to him at a football game. Well, God is, 
has a very different perspective than you do or I do. And God's perspective takes in a whole lot more than yours or mine. And God knows what we need. God knows what is right. And God knows the right time. Sometimes those seasons of closed doors are seasons that we need in order to come to terms with things in our own lives, to humble ourselves or to be humbled before God, to discover what, that it's not about our agenda, it's about God's agenda. It's about what God desires to do in us and through us, not about what we want. And that's what um, the church at Philadelphia is commended for. I know your deeds. I know that you have little strength, but you have kept my word and not denied my name. It is so easy in this world that is telling us that the best way to be a Christian, and you'll see this if you watch for it, the best way to be a Christian is not to be too serious about it, you know? Just be one of those Christians that takes the benefits of, of what, God, what you think God might do for you, but don't, don't take it too seriously. Don't change your life too much about it. I was talking to a friend years ago, and, and I told her that I was going into pastoral ministry. She said, oh, well, that's okay at least you're not going to be a missionary because that's just taking it too far. <laughs> and I thought, I think her point was, you can still lead a normal life as a pastor, but you can't lead a normal life as a missionary. But what is normal? Her idea was a normal life as a life that fits into the worldly way of thinking. But we are not to do that. We are not to fit into the worldly way of thinking. We are to fit into the, the ways of God, to keep God's word. And that's not necessarily easy. It was not easy for the church in Philadelphia. It wasn't easy for most of the churches we've looked at in, uh, who, were, who these letters were written to. And... The point is, as he says here, the promises he makes to them in verse 12, starting in verse 12, to the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming out of heaven from my God. I will also write on them my new name. What he's saying is, I will claim them as my own. I will make their identity connected to me and my kingdom. But even as our identity is tied to the kingdom of God, our identity is tied to our relationship with God and Jesus Christ, we live in a world that does not share those convictions, that does not share that identity, that does not share that relationship with God. And living in that world, in this world, is not always easy. And it's especially not easy if we decide that our truest identity is in Christ and we are going to live by the Word of God. 
when the world around us says, well, no, be a Christian, that's fine as long as it works for you, but don't, don't live out all of what God says. That's just not, that's just not 2019. But God says, trust me, my word is eternal. It is over all years that you can say, 2019, 18, 18, 2504, whatever it is, God's word is over all time. And it's right and true and trustworthy. So even though it's not easy to live it in a world that says it's foolish to live it, it is right. And what happens here, um, he says, I will, in verse uh, 9, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. There will come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and those of us who have trusted him will be vindicated for our trust in him. And all the world will know that the best way to live is to live fully committed to Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's not easy. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And some Christians read things like that and think, okay, well, God's job is to make my life good and easy and wonderful and, and give me what I want, and we wait for that to happen, we might get frustrated. But the point of this is not that God is going to do all this now, that we remain faithful for a year, maybe two, and then God will give us these magnificent blessings. Sometimes he does. But the real hope, the ultimate hope, is this new Jerusalem, which is coming down from heaven, from God. The real hope is to be a pillar in the temple of God, the eternal temple of God. It's interesting, these, the Philadelphians, Philadelphia had, a, had an issue because it was built on a fault line. Uh, and the, there was a terrible earthquake in A.D. 17. They were still recovering from that. And, the, and as, as they recovered, there would be aftershocks and they'd have to leave the town. And they never felt fully fully settled because you never knew when the next earthquake might strike. But Jesus says to them, you will be a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. There is stability in the kingdom of God. There is a new name in the kingdom of God. We will be given a whole new identity. We're given that identity now, but we will fully realize it when, we, when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness. And our life here is lived in faith in that reality. Even when it's challenging to live by that reality because this reality calls us with a siren song to follow it, we believe that God's truth is the real truth, that God's kingdom holds the greatest value, that we are called to have our identity 
our sense of self, our sense of meaning, our sense of purpose, completely tied to who we are in Jesus Christ. That's the goal. We don't always experience that. We have times of struggle and doubt. But the goal is to tie ourselves so closely to Jesus Christ where it says in verse 11, hold on to what you have. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. In Jesus Christ, we are made new. In Jesus Christ, we are given a title to God's eternal kingdom. Live out that new identity. And when we do that, I believe that that's when we will be the most effective witnesses for the kingdom of God on this earth. When we love each other as brothers and sisters who are part of this eternal family, and people see that, they will see that there is something wonderful happening. When we live our lives according to the word of God, even though it looks really weird and strange to people, they will see that there is a power within us enabling us to, to do this, that I pray will be winsome to them, that they will be drawn into that. Now, this does not mean, which you'll probably hear me say over and over again, this does not mean that we, as those who have been made right with God, look at everybody else and criticize them and tell them what's wrong with them. That is not the point at all. The point is to live in this fellowship with God that Jesus Christ has opened up to us in such a rich and full way that it is not our negative berating of others that will draw them. In fact, that does not work. But hearts made right with God. Lives, relationships made right. Jesus said, I have a, I've opened a door for you. I've opened a door that you can go into the world and minister that you can go into the world and be my kingdom. And I've opened that door so that others will be drawn into the kingdom through your life and through your witness. May it be so for us. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that your love has opened the door for us, the door of salvation, that we enter into the very throne room of our Heavenly Father with confidence because you are the door. You are the way we enter. And then you have opened doors for us on earth that we might share uh, your goodness and grace with the world around us, that we might be witnesses to your eternal kingdom and the promise of everything being made right and there is nothing better for us than to live in, in close fellowship with you. 
believing in your word and orienting our lives around your kingdom. Lord God, there are those in this room who are struggling. And I pray for them that you, by your Holy Spirit, would bring strength, the strength to endure, and when it is your will, the strength to be healed. Lord, we lift up to you those we know of in our own minds and hearts that we know of who either need your healing presence physically or maybe spiritually or or emotionally or psychologically, and we lift them to you and pray for your healing presence to be with them. And we pray for this world in which we live, and we can list the things, and we often do the things that upset us about how things are happening in this world. Remind us that none of it is a surprise to you. Help us to be witnesses to your kingdom so that we bring light into the darkness that surrounds us and we encourage people to look to you because you indeed are the answer. Now we pray as Jesus taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.